Merry Christmas, kids. Welcome to Cinebabble, episode 96. I'm your host, Ken, and as always, I am joined by my co-host, Elf on the Shelf, now Clint on a bent, Clint Jones. Clint, how's it feeling sitting on a mantle uh, with with all of that, all of that just sweet, sweet liquor at your side? Um, the liquor uh, makes the time go quicker, oh. which I really appreciate because the nights are long mm-hmm. on these uh, cold winter nights mm-hmm. at Christmas mm-hmm. coming. When the candles are, are flickering, I can't. I was trying to rhyme there and it wasn't working. Sorry. It's all right. I really thought you were going into like a another little little poetry jam there. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying my best, but yeah. my mind probably couldn't hold it up. That's okay. Um, it's just like Clint's poetry jam. It's 1994 all over again, Clint. It's just a Christmas um, poem. That's all. Not I'm not a beat I poet. I I though I have to admit I love Christmas. I really do. My wife does not love Christmas. Yeah, she finds it chaotic nonsense and mm-hmm. just can't wait to get to January. My son is kind of Christmassy, but I it's driving me nuts that my house is not decorated right now. Because uh, man, I just lights, music. Uh, I could I could honestly do it all year long. I am okay with like I always want. To have more of a Christmas spirit, mm-hmm. and I just cannot get it. Like our house is not decorated at all. Okay, I try really hard. Like uh, right now, I'm like forcing myself to listen to Christmas music to try to get that spirit. Forcing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Clint. Um, my I well, I have a lot to live up to. My father is so Christmassy. Really? Like he spends like all year getting ready for it. Oh he, wow! Right now, currently. Well, he retired recently, so he is living up retirement by he um, built a massive like little village in a, in their dining room that's like four tiers high really? of just these little villagers. He's got a train going through the mountain. It's insane. Is there room for people eating? No. Okay. The, I didn't think no, so. No. It sounds no. like this is completely taken over. It is. And your mom's okay with this? She tolerates it. Uh, she, she loves my father. She sees it as a late life crisis. <laughs> And that's the tolerating. That's she, a, I think, encourages it. Encourages it to a degree, yeah, but not to the degree that he okay. is going down that route. Rachel point. encourages everything in my like basement and movie room and everything, yeah, just because I think it's out of sight, and so that gives me a place to focus all my nerddom. And it it doesn't like right now it's infecting the upstairs and it's driving yeah. nuts because I bought things at Black Friday and there's just collectibles everywhere and she's she's about done with that. I was about to say tell it to the giant headed Darth Vader with the Santa hat on. That is actually my wife. <laughs> when you press its head, it talks and breathes and uh, it lights up. That's going to be our perma centerpiece at our island. Just it, different uh, hats for different seasons? Different hats and different, like right now it has pine cones around the base. We're going to mm-hmm. do spring flowers. And uh, yeah, that that thing is now a fixture. It's huge. It's a, it. it's a load-bearing Darth Vader hat. It It is almost a load-bearing <laughs> Darth Vader. Clint, uh, I'm sure you're going to interrupt me with something. No, I don't uh, have Really? No. See, as the soon Chris- as I address it. Yeah, the Christmas you spirit has just sucked everything out of me. That oh, I just, Clint, that's all I can. I have so much Christmas energy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, just Clint, what you've been watching about? With some sleigh bells on top. Oh, I like that. Actually, I don't really have any holiday themed uh, what you watching to talk about. So maybe you'll make up for. I my... do have some. Yeah. And so I'm I'm definitely feeling Christmassy. And I want to just go ahead and say the words Muppet Christmas Carol, because <laughs> you are going to hear the words Muppet Christmas Carol at least 10 times, because I cannot 
uh, even exist and breathe the air of Christmas without thinking about that movie at least 20 times a day. Tell me and how I'm watching it. Tell me how, how many times have you watched Four. this? Four? Four. Oh, I, started, I started a Thanksgiving night. I watched yeah. uh, it the first time. And on Disney Plus, they have the full version with the extra mm. song and... Oh, just go into extras. It's right there. It's all in HD. It's restored. It's beautiful. They don't have it in the film, though? No, they don't have it in the film. Ugh. You have to go over to extras. It is the full film, but it's it's the extended oh, okay. cut. If the scenes, like... The scenes are cut okay. into the movie. Okay. You don't just see them separately. All right. I don't understand why it's not just its own entry, yeah. but whatever. I don't care. I can watch it. Uh, but yeah, I started on Thanksgiving night, and sometimes I just put it on the background. Yeah. So don't think I'm sitting there singing along every time. <laughs> That's usually every the odd other, number. Yep, yeah, that's usually other. the odd number of times. Yeah. But uh, so so what's what's on your list that's uh, not so Christmassy? Well, the first thing I want to talk about, um, I'm going to try not to go too deeply because maybe we'll talk about this more okay. extensively on another episode. Who knows? Okay. Uh, maybe not. And we'll just get through, through it to now. Um, but you and I went to the film of the movie <sighs> theaters and saw a film recently. I 100% knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> And I know that what we're about to talk about has so little to do with the movie, but go on. Um, well, I'm definitely going to bring up, yeah, a centerpiece of we'll, what we'll happened. Get, let's talk about the movie, and then we'll talk about my misadventures and and watching this movie. Okay. Um, so I was super excited to see this, um, and this is The Boy with the Heron by uh, Hayao Miyazaki. It's his yep. final film. Probably. I'd say, probably. I, I thought it was going to be uh, the last one, but then he came back, so... I can't imagine he's going to get another one after this. Yeah, but um, yeah, this is his latest film, mm-hmm. and it's uh, his uh, swan song of sorts, which mm-hmm. actually Heron song. Did there, yeah. Heron. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed this film a lot. I was surprised how much humor is in this film. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really not not in a distracting way, no, no, or an out of place way at all. It just it genuinely. Uh, you and I were laughing at some some pretty intentionally ludicrous things. Yeah, uh, and it yeah. was it was a lot of fun in that regard. And a lot built into like kind of the character design of yeah. things that yeah. just like it just makes it so nonsensical and fun yeah. um, naturally. Um, but man, it's kind of the greatest hits of Miyazaki, yeah. where he's just pulling from every trick he has ever you know come up with yeah. in the best way. It doesn't feel like. He doesn't feel like uh, some rock band out there trying to, you know, win the crowd over by playing the hits. It just, it's just everything that he is um, crammed in there. And I was totally happy to, you know, experience it that yeah. way. Um, One minute it's, it's it, you know, just kind of evoking the tone of something as simple as Totoro or Ponyo. Uh, other times yeah. it, it really goes into kind of uh, just the gorgeous nature shots and and kind of unreality or fantasy nature shots of like a, a princess mononoke and and there's just it there were touches there was touches of spirited away yeah, there's and a lot of spirited away i'd not, say not in a way that no is any way self-plagiaristic or no. or it's not there just to uh fan service in any way it's just he's no. he's bringing together all of these different tones uh, over the course of of his career that he cares about, and he's found a way to put them all into one really cohesive story. Well, and I think like just through his entire just his catalog of films, he's always been working in you know similar modes yeah. of like storytelling. So it doesn't feel unnatural mm-hmm. or like um, that like to be able to pick out like specific yeah. almost not references, but just like 
tonal things that are happening that you might be familiar with. And but also, it I would say it's like and this is kind of saying a lot, com, like comparing it to the other films. It is almost as most like dreamlike film, yeah. and like surrealist in yeah. some way. And uh, and it's um, but it's also you know it's telling a new story like. And you could tell it's really capturing this point in his life uh, in a really cool way. And for me, it had a really surprising, uh, not not overly so, but it had this light cosmic horror element to it. Oh, yeah. That I was not prepared for in a Miyazaki film. It's, it's usually much more of a spiritual uh, sort of supernaturalism in his films. This was much more, um, you know, kind of if Miyazaki wanted to start to dip his toe into Lovecraft a little bit. Well, I'm let me let me say this. Like it could still like what you're talking about still be a sure. of a spiritual nature. Sure. Because I'm going to get into now the what happened. Oh in our dear. Viewing. Okay, can I start on this please? No. no. <laughs> I've had a bad bad couple of weeks. Yeah. Let yeah. me just say that right yeah. off the top. I'm not blaming you for anything, but I'm it just added me. another experience to the film. Um, so, you, <laughs> you, I am totally happy that you're talking about the film, but there's a large chunk of the film that you missed. <laughs> this is correct, uh, and and not intentionally. No, um, I I remember I was watching the film. Yes, and there's this beautiful series of scenes mm-hmm. where this boy is just out, like, oh, it's a forest. Oh, look at this field. He's doing all this stuff. And I remember thinking about how great the surround sound experience was because when the sound design of this film is, I feel like it needs awards for this because, like, capturing just like you know the springs of a cart, yep, and like, like perfect. There was a lot of movement even in the animation. There was a lot of realism there, Mm -hmm. but. I was I was watching the screen, but I was listening to the these soft, yeah. gentle piano notes kind of cascade back along yeah. the wall, and you could hear uh, crickets just mm-hmm. slightly chirping, and and I got into that, and I really think I hypnotized myself <laughs> to a place that my brain was like, "You're tired," and it micronapped me, and just boom, I yeah. was I was not present yeah. anymore. I sleep, you want to call it? This was different, but sure, sure. Yeah, you you missed a. Big chunk in the middle. It was right, I came to find out as I watched everything else, it had to be the chunk where they explained everything. It was the entire transition (laughs) from this very beautiful, poetic, like, young boy in the countryside um, getting familiar with his new surroundings to the very surrealist dreamlike yep. <laughs> and i'm sure it was weird coming out of that state very to go, weird <laughs> go into it like very this weird. cartoon version of it yep cuz i didn't even realize i had i had drifted off yeah and so suddenly i'm back and i even looked straight at you <laughs> because you weren't looking at me and so i thought well i i can't have blanked out for long because Clint's not staring at me like I'm an idiot and a disappointment. And so then I went back to the movie. But it was so clear when I got back to the movie trying to watch it that I had missed crucial information. Yeah. Well, crucial. The, the first time you went out. <laughs> the first. The first time you went out, you you were snoring a bit. Oh, no. And just a little bit. Okay. Just cute. And then, yeah. And then you, you woke up and looked at me just like. just Did that just happen? Yeah. You're, I do remember And I that. looked back at you. Yeah. And then you just continue to do that for a while. Just my head kept. I yeah. remember my head kind of doing the nod. Yeah, thing. and then at one point you kind of gave into it. Yeah, 
And then That's, that was the piano. The piano took yeah. me. I'm telling you. And you were asleep for a while, and there were little little baby snores. Aww. And then you woke up <laughs> at one point, and I, you looked at me again, and you said, "You love me, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Yeah." <laughs> and then you like you did the um, <laughs> the conscientious movie of viewer thing of like, I'm going to go get a drink yes. so I can stay up. Yes. Yeah. I got a drink. I got some Sour Patch Kids. <laughs> like I understood my failing. I was going to remedy this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, so then I came back. Yeah. My entry back into this movie, all of a sudden there was some weird, creepy pelican, like the, the demon infected boar in uh, Mononoke. And it's bleeding from the mouth. And, and they're having this whole conversation about a, uh, just how pelicans function in this this alternate universe, and the boy hates the pelican, but is also sad for the pelican. And I, I honestly, I like, I have no Voiced idea. Voiced by William Defoe, which I recognize. <laughs> but I'm like, I have no idea where this came from, where yeah. we got the pelicans, where the. And then as the movie went on, I'm sitting there actively trying to piece together. That's actually to Miyazaki's credit. It was, I, I would not recommend watching the movie this way. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely at a disadvantage, but it was kind of cool trying to piece together from all the context clues what was happening. And I got it by the end. I'm sure I still missed some things. I need to watch it again. But well, it was, uh, I love that Miyazaki already doesn't answer a lot of things. Yeah, his, yeah. his lore is is yeah. is very, oh, hey, these these rocks are angry. And so they're shooting lightning at you and you better be careful. No explanation as to how these rocks are sentient, at least that I'm aware of. Well, uh, that, well, it gives you a little bit of explanation. The, that but, part that makes sense yeah, with yeah. the the what you're talking about, like yeah. this cosmic horror yeah. element. But you missing that chunk, I don't know if that would it would explain the point A to point B. Yeah, but maybe what you're saying, like it would not really explain the mechanics of yeah. it because because I was still working all that stuff out yeah. too and then really loving it for that. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I love even at this like what could just be a kids film. Yeah. Um definitely is not very challenging. It's it doesn't for or a spoon feed you anything. Yeah. And I yeah. love that and you can work out things for yourself and yeah. uh it he trusts the audience and that's really yeah. cool. Um but I am I don't think I want to rank it with the others. No. I am just really happy that he is so, you know, really, he's really, it's just confident in what he's doing still. Yeah. And it's well, great. And when we walked out of the film, you made such a, a, a poignant observation, which was how much you can feel in the film that it's an old man looking back on his life and, and how he's influenced other artists. Mm -hmm. And he's really harshly evaluating how much his his creations and imagination meant and did it really amount to anything and that's so right there yeah. surface level in the movie and then the layers beneath it mm -hmm. um and i think when we give it a fuller review i gotta watch it again that's one of the things <laughs> i really want to talk about is how much this this just really felt like miyazaki not in a bad way but just pressing through the film just a little bit to make some some commentary or some self-reflection on his life and where he's at and what he's accomplished, if he's accomplished anything, is it worth anything? Mm -hmm. It was a really interesting, from from an artist's perspective, it was a really interesting uh, kind of uh, sign-off uh, or farewell letter right. uh, that leaves it with the audience to determine, was my art worth anything? I'm going to die here. At some point, you get to determine if my art lives. 
Yeah. Or what are you going to do do to continue it on? Yeah. Or if anything, like, yeah. is there anything here to continue on? Well, I also watched something animated that I did not fall asleep in. And you're going to think I'm absolutely being an idiot when I say this. Uh, but on Amazon mm -hmm. Prime, for yeah. free, you can watch an animated special called Merry Little Batman. <laughs> and I kid you not, Clint, this thing is fun. All right. I had a blast watching this thing. Yeah. It is definitely for kids, but it's also not for kids. It's fun. Uh, mm. Let me just read this to you. This Christmas, Damian Wayne wants to be a superhero like his dad, the one and only Batman. When Damian is left home alone while Batman takes on Gotham's worst supervillains on Christmas Eve, he stumbles upon a villainous plot to steal Christmas and leaps at the chance to save the day. Mm. Uh, it was honestly. Uh, I don't want to say much more about it. Yeah. It, like animation style and everything. It, it's not, it's not going to blow your mind. Mm -hmm. It's not going to blow your world. Yeah. But it's so much fun. And it's just silliness with Batman mm -hmm. and Christmas time silliness with Batman. And there was something about it. Mm. It was not the Muppets Christmas Carol, but nothing it, is it just, really nothing is. Uh, but it, it really, honestly, it's quick watch. Uh, I, I suspect now, if you don't like it in the first half hour, just shut it off. How long but, is it? Uh, you know, longer than a half an hour. It's a, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a, when you say quick watch, I was thinking half hour. A I quick watch it. is in it rolls fast. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, it's still an hour and 36 minutes. All right. It's a feature, but okay. it, it just, it moves. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Uh, it doesn't slow down. I, I enjoyed it anyway. Uh, so I look forward to you telling me how it's terrible. What else do you watch? I'm a little more forgiving of those kind of things uh, because they're not necessarily made for me. Yeah. And yeah. I appreciate that you find some enjoyment in them I, sometimes. I do. I just, I wish you would see that I think they're made by people exactly like you. Yeah. And they, somebody handed it to them. They're like, we need an animated Batman Christmas special. Mm -hmm. And they're like, are you serious right now? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, whatever you want to do with it. Yeah. You know? And it just, it it has that feel. So, yeah. So, uh, you, you can tell me. All right. You know, it's not as clever or funny as like the Harley Quinn show. Yeah. Um, it's definitely aiming younger than that. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's, it's, it feels like a, a Rankin Bass Christmas special at times almost. Like okay. one of those. Like, here's something you pull out every year and show the kids. Yeah, yeah. It's a little too long for that, but it, it has that feeling at right. times. So That's cool. Yeah. What else you got? Well, I am looking for some holiday-themed things, oh, oh, so oh. maybe I'll add that to the list. Oh, I thought you were about to tell me you watched something holiday-themed. No. Uh -oh. um, not yet, anyway. Uh -oh. um, the next thing I watch, well, I'm continuously watching it because it's not over yet, but this new series by uh, Nathan Fielder and Benny Safdie called mm -hmm. The Curse, yeah. which is on um, Showtime, Showtime and, you know, Paramount. I think they're kind of mm -hmm. partnered up now. Um, this is the one with Emma Stone yeah. and uh, yeah, Emma Stone trailers for it. Really weird. Yeah. And the show is really weird oh, awesome. in the best way. Um, it's <laughs> as pitch black of a black comedy that you can get because like it's almost like everything else that Nathan Fielder has done where it's uh intentionally trying to make you uncomfortable and kind of view um things in a different way like just in society and you know in entertainment is like with reality television yeah. stuff and this is continuing to do that and um Nathan Fielder is it's not him kind of being a persona of himself. It's him actually acting, which is interesting. And, um, you know, Benny, Ben Saft, um, Benny Safty, who is, you know who he is? 
Uncut Gems, and uh, that movie we loved with Robert Pattinson, uh, Good Times. Good Times. Yeah, um, he's he directed those, and he's he was also the brother, right? Yeah, 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 in Good Times, and him and his brother directed both his films, Mm -hmm. and he was in Oppenheimer. He was, oh yeah, and he was in. He's um, the guy that walks uh, and leaves. Yeah, the Russian guy comes back. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, he's been getting a nice little career of just acting. Yeah. Um, he's a good actor. He's really good. And he's good mm-hmm. in this. He's playing a different kind of character. Mm. Um, it, it's subtly funny, but it's also just so strange and unsettling. <laughs> um, I, I've i been really enjoying it. But um, Nathan Fielder and Emma um, Stone play a husband and wife who are kind of a home renovation team mm-hmm. in this small community in... Uh, New Mexico, I think. Do they have a TV show? Is that the whole? That is the thing. They're they're filming the television uh, show and trying to get it picked up. Oh, okay. So they're not a success. They're yet, not then. a success yet. But Ben okay. Safdie is the one filming it. Gotcha. His character. So he's trying to get you know a network to pick it up, and they're in. They're trying to get the community involved cool. to do it. But also kind of they're a little shady about it. They're trying the, to manufacture moments. They're and, trying to manufacture things. And okay. they, um, they're they trying to kind of hide some things of their past to mm-hmm. look like they're more upstanding in the community than they are. <laughs> um, it's really good. And it, cool. it's, it's not an easy watch, I would say. But I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I have it on my list. I need to watch it. Yeah. Uh, the, the next thing I've watched, more holiday cheer. We made fun of it. When we passed the poster for it or, or whatever we did, when we would see the the boy and the heron, uh-huh. I went back uh, and watched Silent Night. Okay. Silent Night is John Woo's mm-hmm. triumphant return to cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, John Woo, I think he kind of he left Hollywood or, or action filmmaking somewhere back after Face Off. He had something after Face Off. That was but the he, last thing he did? I think it was, he went and did Bulletproof Monk. And there were just a series of American films. Yeah. Uh, rather than Hong Kong films. And he sort of just tapered off into retirement. Hulk? No, that was Ang Lee. Oh, that's Ang Lee. Okay. So, so he tapered off into retirement and disappeared. This is him coming back. Uh, Silent Night, here's the plot. Uh, the uh, uh, the uh, bad guys Alrighty. shoot up a John Wick-like person and house, mm-hmm. kill this guy's kid, and right. shoot him in the throat. When he recovers, mm-hmm. he cannot speak. He's completely oh. lost his voice. He is perpetually in a silent night. <laughs> he wants to exact revenge on these people that kill his do. kid. As you would. As you do. Yeah. As you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, this movie, though... <laughs> oh sweet god help me uh this movie is not good clint yeah because not only is he silent the whole time yeah for some reason they tried to do a nearly completely silent film huh all the characters yeah and that huh yeah you said i also huh right that is intriguing yeah i i promise you though i i believe you honestly. they do it in the worst way possible uh-huh it does not make sense uh, you know, that horror flick we watched with the alien invasion, yeah. they worked so hard to make sure all the silence made sense. Mm-hmm. This does not. It, <laughs> it's clearly a gimmick. On top of the gimmick, mm-hmm. there are so many flashbacks with sappy, sappy music to this guy and his kid. Mm-hmm. And we get it. He yeah. lost his kid. He lost his voice. He's killing people because he lost his kid. How many times do I have to see like these golden tinted moments of yeah. him and his kid 
to get that he killed his kid. Also, the entire second act of this movie, and it makes sort of sense, You, it, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You get all of this ultraviolence up front, mm-hmm. super quiet. Then you just get a whole boring section of the movie, still super quiet. Mm-hmm. Then you get another burst of ultraviolence, super quiet. And the ultraviolence, <sighs> while John Wick has been away, other people have stepped up. Yeah. And really perfected something that, that uh, granted, he had started. Mm-hmm. Um, action filmmaking has gone so far beyond this feels like a giant step back. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it, the whole thing. And and I wasn't expecting a good movie uh, necessarily from the trailer. I just, I'm a sucker for this stuff. And even I was just <clears throat> the whole time. And I was like, God, help me. Please fall asleep. Please, <laughs> please put me to sleep right now. Give me some gentle piano music and pass me right out Mm -hmm. for this monstrosity. But no, I pass out during one of the most beautiful animated films uh, in recent memory. But this piece of junk, wide awake, Clint. Yeah. Wide awake. Didn't even need Sour Patch Kids. Wide awake. Was it comparable (sighs) to that? What was it other, the Santa Claus one that we saw like last year? You know I didn't like Violent Night. Violent Night. Very much. That's it. Violent Night is so much better. Really? Because <laughs> I thought that was garbage. So much better. Violent Night at least takes its Christmas theme and tries to be a Christmas movie. Oh, okay, yeah. And have fun with Christmas mm. conventions. Silent Night, it's it's so joyless. Really? I mean, it's it's so serious mm. about everything. Mm-hmm. And it's an action movie where the guy can't talk. Yeah. And that's your gimmick. That, like, give me something. Mm-hmm. It's just so... Oh, man, Clint. I was going to say, it's because it's, what's his name, Kinnaman? Uh, Joel Kinnaman. Joel Kinnaman. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, wasn't he in that movie Mute, where he's silent? But that was uh, Skarsgård. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Oh, wow. That wasn't Joel Kinnaman. And Joel Kinnaman's good. I I feel like Hollywood is trying to make him the next leading action man. Yeah. And he's much better in supporting action roles. Yeah. Uh, Even when you go to... um, James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad. Mm-hmm. He was much better in kind of that supporting action hero role than just to give him his whole movie. And it's nothing against him. It's just it, he he works well in an ensemble. Yeah. And um, I don't know. It's, you know, it, it, it was you, not fun. Did you, like, we walked out to the our cars? Yeah. And did you just immediately turn around? No. no. <laughs> it was not that bad. It was not that bad. I went the next day uh, on Saturday. Um, and I just... It was one of those things. Rachel wanted to go shopping. My back was hurting. I yeah. couldn't go shopping with her. And she was just like, you want me to drop you at the movies? And I was like, yes. Mm. That sounds great. And then while watching the movie, I was just like, no, why did I do this? <laughs> this is regrettable. Did you watch anything else? I did. I watched one okay. more thing. What's and one more? I, this, I actually watched this quite a while ago. Okay. And I've been meaning to bring it up because I thought it'd be an interesting conversation. Um, and I watched um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles hey. Mayhem. Yes. Um, Newly animated. Came to theaters, I think, in August or September. And, yeah. And uh, made kind of uh, a splash after uh, Spider-Verse sequel had come out. What would you think of it? I really liked it, actually. Awesome. I liked it considerably more than the Spider-Verse yeah. films. Um, I think because like the, the elements of the visual elements of Spider-Verse that bother me where it's just super flashy, it's very, they're very flashy films and like, it's a lot to take in. Um, 
In this, I feel like it was baked more into the animation style that it felt much more natural to me. Gotcha. Um, and it did like it just worked. I and I enjoyed the animation style quite a bit more because mm-hmm. um, it, it was. It had more consistent personality to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I know that's probably something there that who for a person who is enjoy like enjoys the Spider Verse like everything they're trying to go for. And it, it it doesn't not make sense what they're doing in that film. Like, because, you know, it's the Spider-Verse. There's all these different kind of things getting mashed together from, you know, d- different um, versions of the Spider, you know, Spider-Man mythology and everything. But this, it like, yeah, there's a lot more consistency in like the character style. And I, I like that there were kind of just everything was kind of a little ugly in a really fun way that you wouldn't see in this high budget yeah. um, animated film. It was very sketchbooky. Yeah. It was like flipping through someone's sketchbook. Yeah. A lot yeah. Of times. Like a, like a, somebody almost just starting out yeah, in yeah. animation or, you know, uh, drawing comics or something. Yeah. Um, they weren't afraid to have things that were circular, not be a perfect circle Yeah, or to have lines just sort of squiggle off into nothing or uh, it it definitely felt more expressive. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I I enjoyed the um, the turtles. Like mm-hmm. all the the voice actors were really good. Yeah. They felt like teenagers yeah. or like yeah. preteens. Um, the story was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to if they do do another one of them. Um, now, did you see the second Spider Verse? I did. Okay. Yeah. And so same problems. Same problems. Okay. I did enjoy the second one a bit more, but it was still. I just felt like I was getting like you know a laser shot in my eyes gotcha. for like two hours gotcha. okay. it, they're really long they are they are that and, one's like two and a half and ninja like the turtles maybe it was two breezy yeah i think it was a breezy hour 40 yeah yeah it was quick yeah. yeah it but but not because it was it felt short it just no no i i love when movies i, I feel like there for a while with superhero movies it really had started to turn into a pack in as much as we can and they two hours two and a half hours 245 three mm-hmm. and uh there's just something uh, i went and saw the marvels the other week and uh i'll talk about that sometime it was not great yeah um it was not a lot of things but <laughs> it was at least it was this breezy hour and a half okay. and it was the size story that only needed an hour and a half yeah yeah and so it it, it at least kept that pacing mm-hmm. Uh, pretty well. I'm I'm actually the third thing I watched before we get to our reviews is uh we've been my son and I have been watching the uh the new Doctor Who, mm. the return of Russell Davies and David Tennant. David Tennant's only in for I think three, maybe four episodes. Oh, okay. Um and it's it's kind of a mystery why the doctor regenerated into a previous form mm-hmm. before he goes to kind of the the new guy that's going to be playing him. Uh, it's it's been so much fun. It's been really good. It doesn't feel fan servicey. Mm-hmm. They are there, there's little bits of that because you know David Tennant and Donna's back and things like that. There's some kind of sweet sappy moments where you know they're just older but getting back together. Yeah. Uh, but the the first two episodes they're really good solid sci-fi stories, mm-hmm. and I'm really happy that Davies is back. And uh, I think he always had a good eye and ear for what that series needed to be. And and so far, it's just a lot of fun. It's on Disney+, Plus, mm-hmm. which is a little strange, but I guess they have BBC America somehow. Disney and Hulu are trying to create a unified app yeah. instead of having two separate apps because uh-huh. Disney owns Hulu, mm-hmm. um, which I'm fine with. Uh, I just, I really, I wish kind of top talent was put into a room 
to work on menus and search functions and how you find movies. Max right now, uh, I I go into and I seriously have a difficult time finding Amazon Prime the same way. I hate I, Amazon Prime. I cannot find what's new that week. Me either. And I just want one uh, tab or one thing that's just like just released. And it's only yeah. things that came out this week. That's all I want. And they're always moving like your picks, yes. like your your collection. And it's like, where I just yep. wanted to watch this thing I have. Yep. And it's all the way yep. at the bottom now and yep. stuff. And I, I just, I want to know what released this week, yep. you know? And I'll mm-hmm. add it to my queue. Even if I don't watch it right now, I know the things I've read about or that I want to watch. I'm like, oh, there's that indie flick. But when it's buried mm-hmm. and, and it's not a menu, you can open up and see a bunch of titles. You have to go clear down this row yep. of titles just to find something. And Max is the same way. And I'm yep. so tired. Like I have to know the exact movie that I want to search for to find something that's not already right at the top. And the only things right at the top are your fast tens and your big releases. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I and, keep oh, me getting in going insane with, because there's, you know, Netflix has had a couple like, um, like of their own releases, like yeah. big, big things that they've are only, are only putting out in Amazon too. And it drives me insane when they're not promoting it. Yeah. Even though it just came out, yep. it like this should be at the top yeah. the entire like for the next month and a half, two months, yep. and I'll be like search like I have to go into the search yep. to find something they just put out, yep. and it's like why? Yeah. It's so frustrating. Uh, Netflix does have a tab that's like new and noteworthy. I appreciate that, but I have to remember to go there. And yeah, I have to me remember too. to set things to remind yep. me, and then it just drops the things it's supposed to remind me into my queue. Yeah, my my to be watch list. But then I, I get the lost gets, with that. The yep. queue gets all yep. scrambled up. And and I don't have a way – half the time I'm like, wait, what, what is this? Yeah. Oh, I must have read something or saw a trailer that yeah. six months ago I hit remind mm-hmm. me. And now it's just, here you go. Yep. And I just – it feels like there should be a more intuitive – Yep. I, I just want an experience, not because it's a throwback, but there was something to walking through a video store. Yeah. There was a logic to it. <clears throat> Around the outside was the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, either in alphabetical order, in the order it's come out, there was always a shelf that said new releases yep. that was that week or the last two weeks. And then you could go to your genres. And, you know, some places were better than others because they would really break down the genres. And it's just the logic of that made so much sense to me. Whereas I'll go to Max and it's like, uh, cringeworthy dramas that are actually comedies. Like, who made that a right. subgenre? Yeah, yeah, yeah. When is that? And there's all kinds of movies in it. And I'm like, that's not a cringeworthy yeah. drama that that is now a comedy. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a algorithm-driven, yep. uh, very, very impersonal yeah. and inaccurate experience. Anyway, this was supposed to be about Doctor Who. It's delightful. <laughs> yeah. But seriously, that is also my Santa. If you want to bring me anything, yeah, bring me a menu system in a streaming service where I can find things. Apple was pretty consistent. I like Apple. They have a they have a new and top 50 yep. and yeah. and I I Apple is probably my favorite. And Hulu doesn't bother me. Hulu the only thing that bothers me is I have a hard time finding uh, a category that's just new release new release movies that yeah, we just added to Hulu. If you go to movies they have yeah. it there but yeah. it's not on the front page, no. yeah. So, but uh yeah, it you know. Disney Plus is easy, but that's just because Disney Plus hardly ever puts anything up. Mm. So it's very easy to keep up with. So that's my rant. Now, 
I say we get more. Old man technology rant from both of us. I say we get more into the Christmas spirit. We have selected three Christmas uh, movies or productions today. Uh, The first one just hit theaters. It's from director Alexander Payne. It is The Holdovers. Clint already kind of raved about this to the point I'm like, I have to go see this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did. Uh, We're also going to review the original Gremlins movie, which came out in 19... How old were you in 1984, Clint? One. One. Yeah. One. I was five. Mm. Uh, So, yeah. And then uh, back in 2019, uh, this uh, Christmas Carol uh, miniseries uh, came out from director Nick Murphy, uh, written by Stephen Knight, who did, uh, I think, Daredevil. Uh, But it stars Guy Pearce. Super dark. Uh, it's always been on my radar, and it looks super weird. So uh, we just decided, you know what? Let's uh, let's watch it because somebody somebody said no to watching and officially reviewing the Muppets Christmas Carol, and that hurts my soul. And it wasn't Clint. Is there anything else to say about that? Yes, no. So much to say. You've talked about it's, it every year. No, it is a. It's just this <laughs> universal, eternal movie of love and hope and regret and reform and oh, it's beautiful, Clint. It is, but and we, when you watch it, knowing Jim Henson just died, and his, he handed it off to his son, and his son had to complete the movie, and it's just there's this sadness hanging over the entire production, and oh my gosh! So the holdovers, <laughs> <laughs> the holdovers is from director Alexander Payne. Uh, it's a little bit of a limited release. It's made though 15 million already, has a 96 percent mm. uh, good or fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it stars who we got: Paul Giamatti, Dominic Sessa, uh, Divine Joy, Randolph, Carrie Preston, Brandy Hepner, uh, Jillian Vigman, and a lot of other people you'll probably recognize but not know their names. Here's the plot: A curmudgeonly instructor at a New England prep school remains on campus during Christmas break to babysit a handful of students with nowhere to go. He soon forms an unlikely bond with a brainy but damaged troublemaker and with the school's head cook, a woman who just lost a son in the Vietnam War. Uh, Clint, why don't you remind us what you thought of the holdovers, and then uh, I'll, I'll tell you what I thought. This movie um, ha- sparked a little bit of Christmas joy in my heart. <sighs> okay. Um, went with my wife to see this, which... Uh, we don't do as often as we used to do, you know, movie night date. Um, Life has gotten more stressful over the years. It's hard yeah. just to throw back and find a movie that that really relaxes two different people. Yes. Yeah. Especially because um, she's a little pickier with what we go to see sometimes. Not in a bad way. It's just, you know, things can cause anxiety yeah. uh, much easier in her than in me. Um, I love this film. When I saw it, I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. Um, what I really enjoyed about it was what I enjoy about what Alexander Payne does in general. Like he's really good at, you know, capturing kind of these naturalistic kind of performances and moments, but also um, in that really kind of a quirky um, indie yeah. way where it, it feels true to life, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's pushing the comedy a little bit more, but not out of bounds from what, what he's, you know, going for. Well, and at one point you had, I can't remember if we were recording or talking, you compared it to Rushmore. It just has that sort of 
I don't want to say surrealism. It doesn't go that far. It's just... Um, yeah, the setup is. Yeah. This, there's similar setup in like uh, character types yeah. um, in there with uh, uh, Paul Giamatti's mm -hmm. character and then like this brainy student. Um, but I, I was also just like how naturally he builds the relationship between these characters who are like separated by different life experiences mm -hmm. and um just like like very just well like structured throughout the film of like you really like are feeling for all these characters yeah. coming together and believing that they're um starting to care for each other and understand why there's still tension between them like it's not easy going it's no. like the walls being broken down between them in oh, a very in, like natural way. There's a sadness to the fact these kids are there yeah. in the first place. And they, they deal with that in the movie. And I appreciated how organic that was with everything because I, I felt for those kids. I, I felt for the whole situation. And yeah. so I'm already, you know, it, it very early on going into it, rooting for them to all have these moments that then they go on to have. Yeah, and I I really enjoyed the um the the cook character who you know recently lost her son and how she was woven into yeah. like this triplet of of friendship and it starts yeah. by feeling B plot but then all of a sudden it really gets very central to yeah. what's going on yeah and yeah. that was unexpected because at first it just felt like a side character yeah. Um, and then you realize it's much more important than that. Well, also, I really enjoyed how it's initially set up where it's kind of like, I don't know, if, if, spoilers, whatever, spoilers. <laughs> There's um, a larger group of kids at this school left behind, mm -hmm. and they get to, you know, kind of go on and have a Christmas. And then there's just this one kid left. Yeah. And I love that, like, he's all, he's unhappy in this situation because he was promised something else for Christmas. And then it even gets worse by like, now he's the lone yeah. student left yeah. here and he's got to put up with this teacher he hates. Yeah. And, um, but he like, you know, it leaves a lot more room for them to, you know, get to know each other. Yeah. 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 I, I love this film. Awesome. I had so much fun with this. Uh, this reminded me most of Payne's Descendants. Uh, uh -huh. it, it had a lot of similar tone and I love that movie. Yeah. Uh, taken as a Christmas movie. I love this movie even more. Oh um, yeah. I really think this is not just a movie set at Christmas. This is a movie that deals with real Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Not how to celebrate or, Oh, fancy lights or, Oh, aren't we having a good time? Or, Oh, we left the kids at home and he's on an adventure. This is a very, here's what Christmas is to people that you don't usually see at Christmas time. Christmas can be painful. Christmas can be oh, disappointing. Yeah. It can be this season that brings out all of these negative emotions for people that are on the periphery. And that was such a uh, an interesting twist on kind of the, the Christmas movie that you expect. Uh, and putting Paul Giamatti at the center mm -hmm. of that in the role he's in, it just really not just drives that home, but makes it really really work yeah kind of saying and there are moments of warmth and levity in this but it's it's altogether a movie about uh just people 
and and less a movie about holiday and more a movie about how do we handle uh you know when when things aren't working out and everybody else is celebrating and everybody else is having a grand old time yeah like it's it's not this time that magically makes your troubles go away yeah. and it, it's it can kind of bring them to the surface more yeah because you especially if like in the situation of these characters yeah. who are forced together and are also alone they are fate. They just have to face them. Well, and there's people out there that are just drunk on holiday cheer, and they really think that the season changes people yeah. and allows them to be free and allows you to put your problems on the shelf. When in reality, most families, uh, those problems intensify oh, or yeah, become yeah. more awkward, or because all of a sudden, people you could avoid mm-hmm. now you got to get in a room with them, <clears throat> and you either play nice or you pick Christmas to hash it all out. And poor mom's crying. You know, it it just it's 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 a difficult situation. Even if you have a normal good family, yeah, uh, yeah. it can be it can be some weird years during the holidays. Well, especially with how much we're tie it to you know consumerism and everything, and we're like you're you know kind of shoehorned into like having to spend a bunch of money yeah, yeah. that you might not even have, yeah, and you're almost obligated. Yeah. Um, another thing that. I loved about this film was I feel like they nailed that like 1970 like aesthetic, yeah. like the look of the film yeah, and everything. It's a great and, period production design yeah, like, and I would, music. And if somebody had told me that this just was from then, I would oh, yeah. just oh, believe yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I do want to read you something. This is what the Los Angeles Times wrote about this. And I'm always interested in in how different people react to movies, especially movies like this. Yeah. Listen to this. Los Angeles Times. Uh, uh, the Holdovers is a flat, phony, <laughs> painfully diagrammatic movie masquerading as a compassionate, humane film. He goes on. Uh, Mary Lamb, despite Randolph's affecting performance, is somehow the movie's most underdeveloped role. Uh, man, flat, phony masquerading as a compassionate, humane film. I I totally respect that. I, okay, that was his emotional reaction to that film. It's amazing to me that the reaction I have coming out of this film is the same film that, that this yeah, guy yeah, yeah. walked out of the film. And it's mm-hmm. just like, how much experience and background and, and things like that in your own uh, you know, tiny little world that you've experienced, how much that affects whether you connect to a film or not. Mm-hmm. If if you have, you know, nice, joyful, happy holiday tradition Christmases, I can totally see you coming out of this movie like, what was that? That was just, uh, you know, cramming a bunch of people together uh, so that you could uh, have these emotional beats and be sad but funny. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, you, you're really missing. It, it's not that my Christmases are bad. It's just I've seen enough in the Christmases over the years that I can understand uh, where this stuff goes south. And uh, I, I just I think there's a place. I don't even know what I'm ranting about, really. I just think there's a place where you can watch a movie like this and you can really feel genuine emotion that connects to what's happening on the screen because the performance is just so good because the writing's so good. You don't have to have specific experiences. That's kind of the beauty of movies. Yeah. You can go in 
And somebody with effective storytelling can make you see, understand, and feel things yeah. that are not a part of your world. Yeah. And just to, you know, see something like that and feel like it's flat and phony and all these things, it's just, that's amazing to me. Because this sort of thing is not my experience, but it resonated. So I only imagine if it is my experience, my goodness, how much more this movie would have just punched me in the gut. Well, I mean, you can just tell there's a... I feel like in the writing of these characters, there's a thoughtfulness and a three-dimensional, yeah. um, you know, characteristic to who these people are. Like, I believe them, even though, yeah. like, yeah, I'm not a teacher yeah. <laughs> at, a, at a prep school. Well, and even I'm sitting there thinking there probably isn't a teacher at a prep school or a situation that would actually exist like this, at least not anymore. Well, I mean, it's set in 1970s. Right, but, yeah. but I still believe in... Oh, yeah. Like, the premise and the setup is beside the point. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's just the trappings. What matters is, do I connect with these human beings? Do I believe in them as people? And absolutely. For sure. Um, I feel like you could take this away from its being set at at Christmas and still believe that, um, you know, it's these these characters who have nothing in common, kind of despise each other, and... It could be anything. They're, yeah. you know, trapped on a train together yeah. on a long trip, and they have to be friends. Yeah. And well, and that's when you had brought up Rushmore. I realized, you know, yeah. I I love that movie, and and even from the beginning, having seen that movie, I believe in Max Fisher's existence. Do I think there's actually a kid out there experiencing things like Max mm-hmm. Fisher experiences in the movie? No, right. I I don't believe anything about that part is meant to be a literal, real. Here's the teenage experience. But the things that are brought out in that, uh, you know, plot line mm-hmm. are real teenage experiences. And I can do that with all the characters in that movie. Uh, you know, same thing here. It's it's less about what's happening and it's much more about how someone reacts or how someone processes or how someone is drawn to another human being because of shared experience, even if they thought they were not the kind of people that could ever have shared experiences or a friendship. Well, I mean, uh, there's also an element to this that I think worked really well was just the humor in yeah. it. And yeah. I and it was a natural humor. Very funny natural humor. Very funny. And yeah. I feel like humor is such a good way to get gauge and yeah. learn about somebody. Yeah. And I feel like that was such a good interplay between those characters yeah. that through the humorous moments they were learning you know, like I was saying, those walls are getting broken down between them and they're like seeing them as a, you know, a three-dimensional person. They're not, A isn't just a curmudgeon teacher who's been there his entire life and B isn't a snotty kid. They, they both have, you know, their, their, um, traumas in their life that have affected them and gotten to this certain point and shaped them. And I just love Alexander Payne, and he does this in most of his movies, but somebody can be having such a serious moment, and you're really leaning in, and all of a sudden, in the same tone of voice, comes a line yeah. that just makes you explode in laughter, because it takes you so off guard. And it's so funny, and it's usually somebody to the side, or somebody that's sitting there listening, or they interject, and it's just so funny. Yeah. 
Uh, and I I love that. I love that. It's it's almost like a jump scare in a in a, in a horror movie, which yeah, I don't yeah. love. But it's it's like a jump laugh. Uh-huh. It's just your your brain is tuned into oh this is a serious moment, and suddenly something really ridiculous and funny happens, mm-hmm. and it just oh it tickles me, it tickles me. I uh, after watching this because I had never actually got around to seeing it. And I watched Downsizing. Did oh yeah, did you ever I see that? Seen that? No. It is worth watching. Okay. Um, it was kind of panned at the time. Yeah. Um, it is a strange movie. Like the setup is such a small part of what that film is about. Yeah. And um, it's kind of like the trappings of this film within like this sci-fi um, structure. Mm-hmm. But it it just turns into this like comedy dramedy about mm-hmm. these characters who form a f- relationship but happen to be small. <laughs> yeah, and very like, small. It ends up being that's such a small part of the film. Yeah. And I was like, this was a really, like, I don't know if I loved the film, but it was like really captivated by where he decided to take it. That's cool. Um, But I, yeah, like I said, this was, my wife said this is probably one of her favorite films oh, now. Wow. Like ever. And I was like, wow, that's a big statement. That is. And uh, I wouldn't disagree with her or, in any way, because I really in like this will be one of my favorite Christmas movies. Um, this might be my favorite film by him. Wow! Um, but um, I highly recommend yeah, the whole. Yeah. The whole I I just think it's flat and phony. So you know, what do I know? <laughs> uh, next movie uh, I was super excited to get to and revisit. It is 1984's Gremlins uh, from director Joe Dante. Uh, a young man inadvertently breaks three important rules concerning his new pet and unleashes a horde of malevolent, mischievous monsters on a small town. Uh, Clint, uh, first of all, let me ask you this, just yes or no. Already? Yes or no. Okay. Is Gremlins a Christmas movie? Yes. Thank you. I 100% agree. Uh, Half of the internet does not. Half of the internet does. Apparently a very strong debate up there with Die Hard and whether these are Christmas movies. Uh, uh, Yeah, I feel this is a Christmas movie. It's not just set at Christmas. It it has it has uh, all the elements of Christmas cheer and and Christmas lessons and uh, you know I, I, I just, I'd say even more so than Die Hard this yeah, is a Christmas yeah. movie because like the whole thing is set in that you know Christmas is going on around them even yeah. if that is the only thing you're saying that it, like it's just set I yeah. would say that's enough for me to count it as a Christmas movie yeah. especially with. You know, the setup of this film is like a gift be gi- being given to a kid. Yeah. Um, there you go. That's a Christmas moment. Yeah, mo- exactly. Yeah. Well, and this was – so this was PG when it came out. This is a, one of those movies that came out just before yeah. uh, parents flipping out over this and Temple of Doom and some other things brought about the PG-13 rating. But this was actually a controversial movie when it first hit, hmm. uh, which I was reading all about. And I was like, seriously? Uh, because it, it does have a lot of violence, but it's – it's pretty tame. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, I agree. It's it should be PG thirteen, but in the era of there not being a PG thirteen, like this is not an R rated movie. No, I would. Uh, I was you know. thinking about that while watching it, like trying to just you know gauge yeah. when this was falling in that when yeah. that changeover happened, and when I got to the end, I was like, yeah, I would still say this probably is a PG film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, what what did you actually think about the film? Because man, this is practical effects central. I. Have seen this one other time, okay. and this was probably 15 years ago. Oh, wow. I'm sure this was probably one that we watched with our buddy John. 
um, probably around Christmas. Long time ago. Long time ago. And I wasn't knowing, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be walking into. I convinced my wife to watch this because I don't think she'd ever seen it. Okay. Um, I will say there's a lot I liked about this film. Uh-huh. And there's a lot I really don't like really? about this what? film. Tell me what you didn't like about this film. It gets I'm more curious about that. Too silly. Okay. I I cannot stand like once it there's a key moment where I went from I'm I'm thoroughly enjoying this to like, oh, this is just silly. Um, and that is when the Kremlins are now dressing up as like carolers uh-huh. and they're in <laughs> I, I hated that stuff. Really? I hate that. Oh, they're just having fun, Clint. Wha- but it's like, why are they dressing up like humans <laughs> now? Too much. They ate the people that were out caroling. They had observed them <laughs> caroling. They ate them. And That's now the they're... thing about gremlins. They can eat somebody and take on their personality. Yeah. And their clothes. No, but they watch them. Now they're mocking them. It makes sense to me. Okay. I don't know. I you, don't you, enjoy that okay. element of you, it. You got to understand. Let me, let me paint a picture All for right. you. There used to be a gremlins breakfast cereal. And my friend gave me a VHS copy of Gremlins. Yeah. And I would, when my parents were not home, this was like 87, 88, and they would leave me home for a little bit. Mm -hmm. I would get a bowl of Gremlins cereal, which I was allowed to have. And then I would put in, which I hid under the couch, I would put in Gremlins on VHS, which I was not allowed to have. And I would eat my Gremlins cereal, and I would watch my Gremlins, and I would laugh and laugh. And this this movie was my introduction to, I know. I know. So when those little guys are caroling and I'm eating my gremlin cereal, oh, Clint, that's just little kid heaven, man. It sounds like it. Sneaking a movie and eating cereal. If I was a little kid eating cereal, I would be laughing hysterically at at gremlins caroling in in bars dressed up like sexy women. But (laughs) I am- It makes me laugh even hearing it. A uh, (laughs) full-grown human, (laughs) and I'm seeing it, and I'm like, this is just silly. Yeah. And I- I the the thing I enjoyed about, especially once it gets to that point, yeah. watching it with my wife and she's laughing hysterically, yeah. and she's getting like I it was, it's just it gets too like okay. there, it's a level of silliness where I'm not yeah. enjoying the silliness. Okay. It just it went too far. Yeah, and and like killer can, clowns from outer space didn't that, but that's the entire film. <laughs> the entire film is built okay. around it. this. It mm-hmm. all of a sudden I takes hear you. this was where. I could feel the writers like in a room, like, what if we had them caroling? Okay. And what if we had them all in a, like, they're all yeah. dressed up in silly out, like, oh. There is, I will say, there's a, there's a distinct break uh, before and after uh, the gremlin goes into the swimming pool. Yeah. Before that, this is kind of a small horror film. Yeah. There's, there's gremlins just sort of stalking one woman in a kitchen mm-hmm. and she's narrowly killing them off mm-hmm. with a microwave with a you know different things and it that feels like a a tighter scarier movie and then after there's hundreds and thousands of these things it does because if if they so imagine the kitchen scene against this woman with a hundred gremlins she doesn't live and so if they pursue that movie with all of these gremlins then everybody in the town just dies They're like there's no way billy wins that's know. okay I hear you. Have you ever, you haven't seen Gremlins too, have you? No, and I hear wow. that's even sillier. It is bonkers, man. Yeah, it is fourth wall breaking. It is. Yeah. They're in a science lab, and and 
they start injecting themselves with all. There's a vegetable gremlin. There's an electric gremlin. I, yeah, so a bat flying gremlin. There's a smart gremlin. There's a, a female like fifties <sighs> uh, singer gremlin. Uh huh. Oof. I just remember the Key and Peele sketch yeah, yeah, yeah. where that's a hundred percent dead on. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. And um, so yeah, I've never got okay. around to that one, but right. it it yeah it I the first half of this I thoroughly enjoyed and I mm-hmm. love the mischief. Yeah, the gremlin mischief. Um, I enjoyed the practical gremlin effect. Like it was fun, but it just like it got too cartoony, silly. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But it you is this one of your favorite Christmas movies? Not one of my favorites. I just I really have a fun time with it. I recognize it's not, you know, it's a Joe Dante film. This is this yeah. is how a lot of his his stuff is. It's it's hit or miss, but he he throws everything at the wall and most of it sticks, and he has a good time. And written by Chris um, Columbus, yes. you know, which one, I can totally see that. Uh-huh. It just. Uh, it's it's a good time. I have yeah. fun with it. I a hundred percent see what you're saying. Yeah. I don't think it throws me off because I feel like there's kind of a a natural buildup mm-hmm. to that silliness and large group of gremlins. Here, um but at the would, same time, I understand where that comes suddenly with the pool. If this was an R-rated film, yeah, and the silliness was there, but then like the silliness is there, mm-hmm. but then they're like eating someone's face. Or eating the carolers. Eating the caroler. And like, one caroler's you, left just terrified while they're singing yeah, around Yeah, what it. you described as yeah. they eat the carolers that's, that's how and I take on their personalities. Yeah. I would I would okay. probably leave. There has to be, for me, I think a bit of, you know, the sweet and sour yeah, yeah. of the silliness with then like, okay. oh, they're brutal monsters. <laughs> like that probably would have yeah. sold it for me. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, I just, I have a good time with it. And this was one I love. Like the last 10, 15 minutes, the department store, yeah. the way he takes out uh, Spike at the end or Stripe at the end. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved all that stuff uh, as a kid. And it just, this is definitely a nostalgia train kind of movie yeah. where it just keeps rolling through the years. And half of my experience with it is remembering the serial and the hidden tape. Yeah. And then when I was older and I could get the DVD and my my parents still didn't like that stuff, but mm-hmm. Uh, they they very quickly realized they couldn't control what I was watching or adding to my collection. Mm-hmm. And this was just always one around Christmas time uh, I would go back to and and just laugh and I had a good time with. Yeah. I introduced it to Levi really early. He thought it was just kind of it it looked too fake. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he has a hard time with um especially animal based practical effects. Mm. And so he thinks it's cute, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Gremlins 2 is one of John's favorites. Uh-huh. John loves Gremlins 2. And you should, at some point in your life, it's a bucket list movie, you should watch it. But just to, like, what am I watching right mm. now? Might have to do that uh, then. And in the middle of it is Billy, his girlfriend, and Gizmo, who are in a completely different movie. Yeah. They are in the sequel to Gremlins 1. Uh-huh. <laughs> Everything around them is this very... Uh, self-aware, silly, uh, wink at the camera, kind of garish characters and camera angles, like Dutch angles. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's it's just a very, uh, really just what what can we do next? Mm-hmm. And uh, make it bigger, make it bigger. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you should watch it sometime in your life. Maybe I will this Christmas no, season. It's not a Christmas movie, so uh, I don't even know what to classify it as. I know at one it's, point. Hulk Hogan yells at you, the viewer, <laughs> not kidding, because uh, something has interrupted the film. I forget how that gag goes, but yeah, yeah. I do know Hulk Hogan stands up and addresses you 
the audience member. Hmm. Uh, and there, there are several moments like that where uh, at one point the gremlins get into the projector room and the film gets ripped and you see their shadows running around on screen, which, you know, is much, I guess, well, funnier. Well, they do that in, in the, the first one. Is that in the first one? Yeah. Oh, maybe I'm mixing up my grim. I, I watched both of them oh, before okay. this podcast just yeah. because I don't love the second one, but yeah, I always watch it. So, okay, maybe I'm flipping those two. Yeah, I wasn't sure if you, they did it again and then No, they something... don't do it again. I That was in the first one? Yeah, yeah. Because they're all in the, really they're the all in the theater, and they take over the and they're watching Snow White. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Okay, but does that happen on your TV screen, or does it happen? It happens in the film, right? But they're looking at the screen and they, seeing that it's not on. It's not to you. It has not ripped your copy of Gremlins. It's ripped their copy of Snow White. Right? They. <laughs> I'm so confused. <laughs> The thing I'm remembering, yeah. and I'm sure it's Gremlins too. I think, is they rip your movie, and they're they're like interrupting your movie. Oh, that doesn't happen. Okay, they are, in, but they are in a theater watching yes, Snow White. In Gremlins too, and they're it in, cuts yeah. to your theater where they have ripped your movie. Oh, okay, and interrupted your Gremlins two experience, and maybe that's a separate scene. Uh, but Hulk Hogan yells. There he gets no up Hulk. and points at the screen. I know. I know that's <laughs> Gremlins 2. Uh-huh. Uh, by the time I watched Gremlins 1, I knew we were going to talk about Gremlins 2 just on in the background. So now I'm confused, but I, I'm pretty sure All right. I got this right. Okay. I'm going to watch it later. <laughs> Our third movie uh, for Christmas is uh, Christmas Carol. And this is a BBC production. This is uh, a, certainly a R-rated kind of BBC mm, One yeah. production that they did with FX. Uh, it is not your Pappy's Ebenezer Scrooge. <laughs> your Pappy's. <laughs> <laughs> there is no Fozzie Wig. There is no uh, little little Tiny Tim played by Robin the Frog, nephew there to is Kermit a tiny the Frog. Tim. Oh, there's a Tiny Tim. <laughs> there's a Tiny Tim. Uh, I'll get to that here in a second. Ebenezer Scrooge, a bitter old man, despises the Christmas holiday. Over the course of Christmas Eve night, he is visited by three ghosts to show him his past, present, and future. What a classic tale. Mm -hmm. How could you possibly take a Christmas carol and so over-darken it that it possibly ceases for long moments of time to be the Christmas carol? Clint. Let me ask you this question before I find out what you thought. All right. Does this movie go too far? Is it trying to manufacture darkness instead of just naturally doing a darker take? Yes, Ken. Okay. <laughs> what did you think of A Christmas Carol with Guy Pierce? Okay, I'm going to explain this in one word. But one word. I'm going to make it holiday-themed acronym. <laughs> okay. And the acronym is Santa Leaves Our Gifts. Okay. Slog. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Slog. It, it is long. Yeah. And it is not a brisk long. It is a very plodding long. This took me three tries to get through. Yeah. Yeah. I, I does I, not surprise me. I would just keep, I would pull Ken at, yep. at a Miyazaki film. Yep. And I fell, just keep falling asleep like halfway yeah. through yeah. this film. I hear you. Um, it is so like unbearably dark mm-hmm. 
and like oppressively dark. Oppressively just, dark. Everything about it is dark. Like every like change they they were just trying to force darkness into everything. What was the worst change? I want to see if it's the same thing I would think. Like, did, was there a moment where you were like, seriously, guys, like this is where you're going to go? Because I had that moment. Um. Well, it was. One of them definitely was um, Mary Cratchit. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. That, and it comes so early on uh, before the ghosts and everything, that almost ended the movie for me. Yeah. Uh, because it was such a forced darkening. Yeah. It it did not, uh, he, he basically, uh, hey, poor lady, uh, sleep with me or do what I want and and I'll give you money. It turns into this like, uh, uh, amateur level well, prostitution thing, but it, he, with they with do it. Bob Cratchit's wife. They go, and he does it in a way where he's leaving it up to her to interpret yeah. it. Yeah, and to, as a, a like a scientific, you know, study. Yeah, that's how yeah. they keep saying it to see what's not an actual. He's not actually into some kink. No. He is trying to understand. Like what, what she's going to do, what she'll do for money that she is, like desperately needs. Yeah. How um, far will she go? How far will she go? Yeah. Um, and there was that, and it was just like the earlier moments of like what he did earlier in his career yeah. for yeah. money and like just pull, like turning profit on these companies that are, you know, like that seems like, I mean, it, it was, it was super, it was dark and like, especially with the companies where like people died and stuff. Yeah. But I just got to a point where I'm like, he deserves no redemption. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And the whole story is about his redemption. Yeah. I know by the end of this thing, no matter how they adapt it, no matter how much they darken it, unless it's no longer Christmas Carol, he has to have a realization and suddenly he has to be a good guy. He has crossed way too many lines to show up at any of these people's front doors. There is no version of this where he shows up to Mary Cratchit yep. and she's suddenly okay yep. because he's got the Christmas spirit and he's yeah. going to pay for Tiny Tim's medical bills. Yep. Heck no. She's looking over her shoulder the whole time wondering what's the play, what's the weirdo doing. Yeah. And 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 they get to the end of this thing and they suddenly shift into, okay, this needs to be a Christmas carol. But they went too far. They, they, they go too far, but... I, w- I give it a little bit of credit that mm-hmm. they do what they should have done at the end as far as with those, like, yeah. the characters yeah. coming together. They don't do, like, okay, we're fine with you now. Yeah. You're welcome to dinner. They do the, um, like, okay, we never want to see you again. Or, like, he's, like, he gives everything up yeah. to them. Yeah. He's, like, I'm out of your lives. Yeah. Which is, is about as far as they can go as far as redemption. Yeah. They at least gave him, like, I recognize I went too far to have any sort of social redemption. I can pay for stuff and I can, you know, kind of fix some things in your life. But, you know, (laughs) did did you also get the the implication that this happened before and that Tiny Tim is his? No, I didn't get the whole movie. (laughs) I really felt like that's what they were saying. There was, and, I, and I'll tell you why, there were two beats. One, there is some sort of weird familiarity where she questions him when he first propositions her, but it really feels like it's happened before because she doesn't ask certain questions. Hmm. And there's this 
really then strange series of scenes throughout the rest of the movie. Every time he encounters or sees Tiny Tim, where there is this, it's it's in the dialogue and it's in the way he looks at the kid, where the whole time I'm like, are they trying to suggest that he has already had his way with her before when they struggle with money and Tiny Tim is his and that the actual uh, redemptive thing is accepting a child that he denied as his as something he should take care of. I don't take that at all okay. because just because of the the line he says about like I have no interest in in that kind of you know relationship or physical like ever yeah. again and okay. like and I think that I took that as the uh, I can't remember the when he was young he had that re- yeah. the, the yeah. romance. Yeah. I feel like after that he was just like celibate. Okay. And I think he I did believe the um like this is for science kind of line. Uh, I didn't see it as like he had already had like okay. sex with her. I, I felt like he had before and now he's toying with her and he's making it about something else. And it's like at some point was there like a proposition, but also a little bit of like she didn't quite understand who he was. And he was more he was he was coming on to her more as a. I I don't know. I because I, I, I never never said yeah. it. It just the whole time it was the way the camera would linger on how he was looking at Tim. I I saw it almost it, as like there was just that was the smallest glimpse of humanity left okay. in him as seeing this this poor child who is the tiniest of tiny Tims. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, um, that miniature Tim. Yeah, that he um had sympathy for okay. this character and like oh. all like it was clicking into place of who Krat- the Cratchits were okay. and what they were doing, like why they were always, you know, wanting, he wanted to go home. He yeah. wanted, you know, more pay. And it's like, because he was in this situation. Now, what did you think of the ghosts? Because I really thought based on the tone, it would be more uh, creepy entity I, sort of things with the ghosts. Yeah. And I feel like they went in the other direction where they more humanized the ghosts instead of making them more... I just, I really thought it was going to continue ramping up and do some really weird things uh, with these and and make them almost like creatures, almost possibly demons instead of angels I, or a mix. Yeah, I and was I, expecting that too, yeah. and I was kind of let down by yeah. that. Um, there was, um, like the Andy Circus. I, I, I liked his mm-hmm. character. There was some, actually some like visual touches to this that I mm-hmm. actually really enjoyed. Yeah. Like um, with um, Marley, like I like that they gave him a little bit of a story, even though they don't pay it off enough at the end yeah. to have had it. Um, but like, uh, And he's played by, uh, what's his face from, um, oh my goodness, I've seen him in so many things. Uh, Stephen Graham. Yes, thank yeah. you. He's so good. I yeah, love yeah. him as an actor. Um, but like the visual, I like, I like the, um, kind of underworld yeah. of like just like this forest of trees and how yeah. he kind of swings down in his coffin. And um I really enjoyed that moment where he uh, Scrooge is watching Tiny Tim fall through the ice. Mm-hmm. And he's just like because he's watching it in his room and he's watching it from happen above him and yeah. he's just floating in the room. That was really eerie and cool. Yeah. Another thing that I that dawned on me that like I forgot what was a moment that was too dark was the implication that Scrooge was like molested as a child. Yeah. Yeah. 
it was just like it was so those were the moments i feel like they went so dark that then they felt like they had to come up with trauma that didn't excuse what he's done but explained yeah that they're you know and it just it 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 didn't bring me back to wanting his redemption. No. It just muddied the waters more. Yeah, yeah. And made things. So So now we're talking about generational trauma. And even though he didn't have kids, he's still passing it on to other people. And so he's also abusive in not protecting people from his own abuse. It just, it, it was yet another layer of, like, he he is failing as as this person that is going to have a a ramp up into a, a redemptive moment and, and come yeah. back around. I, I almost got to the point where I was like, oh, th- he, there's like some kind of psychopathy here yeah. Yeah. happening where like th- a person like this, you cannot just show them their past yeah. and think that this is going to have some effect on yeah. how they operate in the future. And that goes to something I was thinking about was like, the pacing of this film is very strange yeah. in that I felt like they spent so much time with um, the ghost of, of the past. And then like they rushed through yeah. the Especially present. the third ghost. Yep. The present and the, the future. Like, and, I was like, and that has an origin. The book does the same thing. The third ghost, because in the book and in a lot of the adaptations, you can already feel he's getting it. He is yeah. ready to change. And the third ghost is just kind of the one that's really pounding at home. And yeah. even in the book, it's, I mean, it's not short, but it's shorter than kind of these other visits. The, and um, I agree with you on that, but I think the present is all, is usually yes, longer than that. It should be. Yeah. Because it mirrors scenes in the past. You have, let's say you have six segments in the past, you have six segments in the present, maybe three in the future. But it's, there are mirror scenes between yeah. the present and the past. Yeah, yeah. So that he's connecting my experience mm-hmm. that hurt me and I can understand these people mm-hmm. have also experienced and I can understand that. So that by the time he gets to the future, it's just, it's less a you're going to die because he knows he's going to die. Yeah. It's more a you're going to die and this is all you're going to be. Yeah. And so it's a legacy thing on top of, mm-hmm. of everything else. Not in a joking way, but... Michael Caine is my absolute favorite Ebenezer Scrooge from the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah. And it's because, yeah, you got Muppets everywhere and there's hilarity and there's humor and all this stuff. You got Gonzo as Charles Dickens narrating the whole thing. But Michael Caine is playing it straight. Yeah. There is not a moment in that movie where Michael Caine reacts as if Muppets are anything other than normal people. Mm Mm-hmm. And I love his performance because you can watch, if you really watch that movie multiple times, hi, uh, it you can watch his face in the past sequence redden, and you can watch his eyes start to glisten. Yeah. I have no idea how he did this as a performance because they shot it out of order, and you got Muppets all around you. Then you get to the present, and you're getting some real tears. And just the way his lip quivers and his voice changes. And this guy is really starting to understand. And by the time he gets to the third ghost, he is simultaneously uh, desperate to escape mm-hmm. and go do something and desperate not to see what he knows this ghost is there to show him. Yeah. Uh, almost in, a, in kind of a denial kind of way. There is such an arc and it's so smooth. Mm-hmm. and And he plays it. So beautifully, and maybe it was done in the editing bay. He just gave them so many choices. Right. But he goes from such a believably crotchety old man mm-hmm. to such a a believably 
redeemed and changed human being. Yeah, yeah. That's what I wanted in this movie. Mm -hmm. And even though all the things we're talking about, like, how can this guy be redeemed? I don't think Guy Pierce is written, his his Scrooge is written in a way that goes from the beginning to the end. All right. of a sudden, not only does it rush the present and the future, yeah. I feel like it really rushes his his flip of the switch. And, and it's he all suddenly on, gets it. It's but it's all on like hinges on Tiny Tim. Yeah. Because yeah. he like has that line about like, um, I will never have redemption, don't deserve it, but if I can, you know, prevent that kid yeah. from having the life that he has, that's all I ask for. And see, I think that was, the, those lines were the ones where I was really, and I'm I'm just being a, a conspiracy movie guy, I guess. But that was where I really started to think like, this is his kid. He's denied him, and this is him accepting that even though he's lost his chance to have a relationship with this kid, he can. I, I don't know. And maybe that's I, just a, a metaphor thing I, yeah, where he's, I, I he's kinda, feeling like I never had a kid and and I'm understanding what that is, that fatherly connection. I don't think he has even that ability. I think So do you think he's a, like a straight sociopath in this where he doesn't understand human emotion? He's just been damaged to the point that he is uh, cruel for cruel's sake? Or do you think he's really – do you think he's still I, in there somewhere? I don't think there's much of him left in okay. there. I think I, I'm not saying like from birth psychopathy. I think he has constructed this persona around himself as okay. a like kind of protective barrier. Mm -hmm. And so that makes me think like he's basically um, like I said, he's celibate and like he huh. has like he couldn't have a physical relationship with a woman. That's I don't interesting. think. So he's like asexual. Yeah, he's asexual. That's it's, it's like. I, I guess when I watched it, I never fully bought him telling her it's for science. I, I never fully bought oh. that that he wasn't I think wanting. It was science and cruelty. Okay. Like like just just to see what he thinks a like a person who says they're a good person, he wants yeah. to see how they react when they're up against a wall. And and ultimately I, I love a good dark ad adaptation. This did not bother me because it was so dark. This bothered me because the whole time I'm watching it, I I didn't at any point feel like this movie was, I don't want to say it, it didn't have a message or it was supposed to have a message. It just, it didn't do anything for me on an emotional level. Mm -hmm. There was never a moment where it engaged me and drew me in and made me root for Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's fine. It's just everything that is fundamental to the Christmas Carol story. Mm -hmm. This movie darkens those things. Yeah. And I went into this thinking it was still going to have those things intact. And it's the things layered on top of that that are dark. Mm -hmm. And it's going to slowly peel this darkness away. But that's not what it does. It it starts at the ground level. Yeah. And I, I just think that fundamentally alters the story. And then you're still trying to hit the story beats but you've created a character that does not suit those story beats. Right. And so you've you've undermined your entire and then you get to the end and you realize it and you kind of slap everything together and and bring it to a close but it it misses the whole point. I was kind of hoping that they were just going to completely go against the entire yeah. structure of it yeah. and that he 
there is no redemption for him. I and actually, he realizes that yep. and he just accepts it. I and, and I'm in the same place, just instead of accepting it, it just makes him humbug more. Yeah. And he comes out of that experience and he rejects the ghosts. Yeah, and exactly. Literally That's, like the next day, dead. Yeah. Because almost like they've killed him. He doesn't even get a chance to live out the rest of his evil days. Yeah. He would have if he changed, but it's just a... You know and that's what I, mean? what I mean by accepting. Yeah, it's just yeah. like th- there's no uh, like world that where he is going yeah. to you know save his soul. And what a wild twist on that that would have been sitting at the grave, begging the ghost to change things, and then just suddenly stopping and just being really quiet and then saying humbug. That like, wait, what? Yeah. And then he just he sits up in his bed. Yeah. And that's it. He's done. Mm-hmm. He has gone through it. He looked it in the face. He determined he was not capable at such an old age or willing to do anything he, about it. And he just resorts to the same. Through so many years of building up this callus yeah, over yeah. him, his heart and like soul, that there's no breaking it yeah. down. And he knows that like he can't because that's how he operates for yeah. most of the film. I watched the old um, animated Prince of Egypt movie, mm-hmm. uh, which I always love. Uh, but it, at the end, there's this point in the story where uh, the the king, the pharaoh, lets all these people go. Uh, and they're headed out. And then he has this moment where he's like, no. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. And he goes after him. Mm-hmm. And he wants to kill him. And I wanted something like that. I wanted that moment of he he almost redeems like Mm -hmm. you can see and he can see it is possible Mm -hmm. but then those old things press in and he hardens up and he's like no yeah i shouldn't have to do this yeah i am a success i have made money Mm -hmm. i am fine with who i am Mm -hmm. yet that i i feel like and then uh, give me give me a little you know coda where uh you know you get to see tiny tim learn something from that. And Tiny Tim's life changes because even at a young age, and you just get this little five-minute, like, oh, no, his life is still going to mean something. Right. He was awful. But because people know he was awful, here's this kid who is never going to be like that guy that abused his parents mm-hmm. and grows up to be something better. Right. And I don't even know how you'd structure it that, but, you know, cut two hours out of this thing, give me that. Mm-hmm. This would actually be a really uh, I- interesting and tight little twist on on Christmas Carol. Yeah, but it's too long. It's too dark, and it's, it's so uh, long. Yeah, I I think if I had known it was like three hours. Yeah. When before you asked me to do it, I was like, "Nah, I don't think I want to." Do I, that. I honestly did not. I thought it was I, like a two part, one yeah. hour each kind of thing. Yeah, I I had. Because even when I was watching it, I was like, man, we are not far in the story. No. And I checked the the times on the the little episode breakdown or whatever. And I was like, oh. I don't know why they didn't make it in parts. No. I like, don't especially either. calling it a miniseries. Yeah. It's. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I. Ugh. Anyway. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, so go to the theater and see Holdovers. It's yeah. genuinely. It's a great movie. Uh, Gremlins. It's good fun. Maybe yeah. not the whole way through. But I really enjoyed it. It's a fun 80s throwback. And I, I agree, it's a Christmas movie. 
Yeah, and I won't deny it's not fun. Yeah. It's just my level of like being yeah. able to, you know, put up with silliness. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't fault anybody for liking it. And as I've been thinking, I just think in my head it earned the silliness. It had ramped up into that silliness. And I think in your head it it broke the yeah, it, it just it went a step too far. Yeah. It wasn't you keep saying silliness. I you like silliness. I don't think it was silliness. I think it was the the cartoonishness. It was cartoon silly. Yeah. 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 It wasn't just, oh, these things are having fun. Because I can enjoy uh, cartoonishness yeah. too yeah. sometimes. Because it would have been better if they were having fun, but it's terrifying. Yeah. And everybody encountering it is not having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like even the caroling thing, if they're just sitting there uh munching on the carolers while mocking their singing. Exactly. That would have been, you know. Far more gremlin than anyway, gremlins. You know, I like it. Clint likes it fine, yeah. Uh, but it's good fun. And then we got the the BBC Christmas Carol. Uh, there are just better adaptations out there. Let me think of one. Um, help me, Clint. Oh, the Muppets Christmas Carol on Disney Plus. Uh, I, I think that's a, a much better. Any other one. Basically. Also, yeah. Honestly, there's a George Scott one. Have you ever seen the George I probably, C. Scott one? I think one? I have, yeah. That one's really good. He's a really good Scrooge, and that one is creepy. Yeah. Uh, there's ghost horses and all kinds of stuff. Like, there's this carriage, almost Dracula style, uh, that I remember freaking me out as a kid because it comes out of the fog and disappears in the fog. And you get the sense, oh, that's what Marley rides in on. Mm. And then he goes in the house and Marley comes in. And I've, I've seen uh, quite a handful of different adaptations. My yeah. dad's a big fan of yeah. the story. I can't keep him straight. But I love the ones where they do the um, Christmas um, future yeah. and the kids are under the cloak. Yeah. That yeah. always creeps me out. Yep. Yep. Uh, Scrooge does that. Uh, oh, where it's, yeah. it's, you know, it's a very Bill Murray 80s yeah. kind of thing. And then all of a sudden this thing, he, Bill Murray walks up and pulls back its cloak. And there are just these screaming <laughs> kids in the rib cage, And he closes it. Yeah. And then he pulls it open again. And there are definitely kids in there yeah, screaming. Yeah. He closes it. I love that moment. That's yeah. one of my favorite beats in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, there's plenty of other Christmas movies. But I, I enjoy uh, like the holdovers, that was such a nice surprise, and I yeah. still watch your Home Alones and your Charlie mm-hmm. Brown Christmas Special and all that kind of stuff. But it is nice. Uh, Christmas has a a unique way of of giving a lot of people some, um, I think, some dramatic and comedic mm-hmm. uh, things to play with. Uh, it's different than other holidays because it, it feels like all season instead of just Thanksgiving's a day. Yeah, I think it's hard to do a Thanksgiving movie. It's hard to do a you know, an Easter movie or, or something like that. I, I think Christmas lends itself more to that. Yeah. So I'm always a big fan of uh, It's Wonderful Life. Oh, yeah. I wish that, like A Christmas Carol, had more adaptations. And and I know there are a lot of, like, TV series, comedies, sitcoms, will do that as an episode. Like, all the multi-season sitcoms typically have a, a, a thinly veiled It's a Wonderful Life episode. Um, but I wish that was one that had some interesting adaptations to it on film. I don't know how you compare to Jimmy Stewart though on that. I don't either, but it's it's the same thing when we're talking about a Christmas Carol. There's a lot of Christmas Carol adaptations. But again, when you go back to like the first one in the uh, it was black and white, uh, where it's just going from the book and like the George C. Scott one, it's hard to to do that, but I think it's still possible. Yeah. Um, I think it there was one on Apple with uh Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Just, yeah, that was pretty fun. It was fun. It just, the whole time I'm like, this is Scrooged. 
This yeah. Is, this is Scrooge in the modern era. I think I was surprised actually by that one just as far as like I liked the songs more than mm-hmm. I thought I was going yeah. to. But I, I totally agree it was just Scrooge. So anyway, yeah. Um, yeah uh, Merry Christmas. I'm super excited. Um, we're just going to have some fun at Christmas time. Next episode is actually going to be a pair of episodes just like we did last year. We are going to have our, our top 10 films of 2023 and after making the bold statement that this has been an amazing movie year Mm -hmm. and you should really double check your list clint Mm -hmm. i went back and double checked my list yeah and i realized no one hasn't (laughs) no one hasn't i was really prepared for you to prove me wrong no no i i have more than 10 films on there but when i'm looking at them yeah it's just now with things like the holdovers and the boy and the heron it's just now solidifying into a respectable top 10 list there were some things on there that that are fine. I liked them, uh, but I had like um, Air on there, the the Nike. I, I had great fun with that. Ben Affleck, Matt Damon, that was surprisingly good. I could care less about baseball or basketball. See, I don't even care about basketball. <laughs> I forgot just what it baseball. sport it was. I could not care less about basketball, but I loved that movie. It was a lot of fun. At the same time, I had that at like number nine. Yeah. And it's good, but it's not a top 10 movie yeah. in a good movie year. So anyway, there is a uh, chunk coming out now. Yes. So like I really yes. want to see um Dream Scenario. Yep. Um I want to see Poor Things. Yep. Um there's the one by the director who did Promising Young Woman yep. Salt something. Uh, Saltburn. Salt I think you're Saltburn, right. Saltburn I think. That one looks really great. Yeah. Um yeah, there's a handful that I feel like are going to maybe push yeah. me towards having a longer list than yeah. I thought. So so that top 10 of 2023 that actually may come out at the beginning of January, because Probably. I really want to watch some yeah. of these. The The second episode that we did last year that we really had fun with was Top 10 Discoveries. Mm-hmm. Movies that aren't necessarily made or released in 2023, but just movies we found what you watching that were new to us. But last year's big, uh, one of its big surprises was 1989's The Blob. Yeah. Um, you know, I recommended it to Clint. I hadn't watched it in a while. I rewatched it. He watched it, and we we're like, "Oh my goodness, there's this is just a little gem." I continuous to uh, continuously um, recommend yeah, that to people. Yeah. yeah. So probably uh, right around the end of December, we'll uh, we'll have our top ten discoveries list. Uh, but maybe it rolls into January. We'll have to see. I really want to. I want to get everything that I want to watch before we do this. But I agree. Then we'll definitely have our top ten of 2023, and then we'll see what uh, trouble and fun we get into in 2023 or 2024. Oh yeah. I'm just going back in time. We're going to hit 100 sometime. Yeah. Well, even though we've already done 100, but official yeah. 100. I want an official 100. Yeah. And uh, I'm we're we're going to be doing some things behind the scenes uh, that I think will get us some more listeners that I'm excited about. Uh, and that Clint's probably skeptical about, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna come through. I'm gonna be a hero. Ken is gonna go on uh, on a public broadcast yeah, television, yeah. expose himself to the masses, yeah. and uh, just get everyone interested. I I think I have exhausted Instagram's uh, potential, and it has not been uh, very effective. <laughs> Is yeah, the, is the kind business Instagram way is, to say it is a passive thing. Yes. It's not a. It's not going, an active engagement. Yeah. So I tried, but whatever. Uh, so I'm going to do some new things next year. Uh, if you're listening, super happy to have you. Um, I apologize that still we can't figure out how many people are listening after our Ant Man episode. It's just all of a sudden uh, we just we can't even count who's listening. But if you're listening, we love you. 
Yeah, thank you. Truly love you. We appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, stay tuned. We're going to have some fun and uh, we'll see what uh, wackiness we get into. We have a, a friend from Hollywood that comes in every Christmas and that's always an adventure. So mm-hmm. good stuff. All right. Well, Clint, uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Ken. Um, Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We say Christmas again. Merry Chrysler. Aren't you so happy we say Christmas again? Yeah, why Merry can't Christmas? we say Christmas? I know there was a point where we weren't allowed to say it. You're it's, not allowed to say you it? You had to say happy holidays. Oh my gosh. There's this church in the area, and I don't want to talk about it too much. Uh, we can't stand them. They're super, super crazy about that stuff. And they literally have put out this thing that says, if somebody says in, in a store, happy holidays to you, like, you have to say this back. And at the church, they're keeping score as to who does the best. Wow. Like like they're getting gold stars or something for a Christmas bonus. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just like, man, okay, guys, just you keep enjoying that. We have at work a sale going on and, yeah. you know, people come in to buy things. Yeah. And the woman who works there or works with me, who rings them up, it always makes it a point that to say, Merry Christmas. And it's like, isn't, aren't you so happy we can say that? She says that. And I'm just like closing there my door. There was never a moment yeah. we couldn't say that. No. What a weird myth uh, we have crafted in the modern age. Yep. And they're, out, they're out to get Christmas, Clint. It's fun to have so many things to be mad about. No, I know. Yeah. I know. All right. Well, Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and Hanukkah and Kwanzaa and all that good stuff. Whatever the Buddhists do at Christmas time. Do the Buddhists have a Christmas solstice kind of? They're too winter? good for it. Oh, jeez. Oh, no, wow. I don't think good Buddhists are too good for anything. I think that's the whole point. <laughs> they're, they're like, just that. Just that. Yeah. Just, just their Buddhist Christmas. Yeah. They get really cocky on Buddhist yeah, Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they, they have to they, humble they're just up looking again. at us like, Pfft. yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Well, Merry Christmas, Clint. You can always find us on Instagram if you dare look there uh, or on our website. But people just don't go to websites or Instagram anymore. So uh, 2024 is going to bring about new platforms. Uh, and uh, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see. See us on TikTok. See us on TikTok. Oh, I'm throwing up <laughs> in my mouth. Uh, but yeah, if you're subscribed to us, that is the best way. Uh, if you are relying on our website or Instagram to find out when an episode is up, uh, please keep an eye on that, and uh, we will inform you better ways. Subscribe, and you'll, just it'll subscribe pop up. is so much easier. Yeah. It's just right there. Yep. So uh, I think I've said Merry Christmas a million times. So instead, I will say to Clint a very merry uh, Muppets Christmas Carol. Police Navidad uh, to you. To you. All right. I love you, Clint. Love you too. Bye. All right, let's go sleep at a movie. All right. <laughs>